Let's cut through the mainstream financial advice out there. This is your quick financial tip from your rich uncle. What are some of those common safeguards for maybe not drugs in particular? Because I think we beat that one up, but other issues under the surface with when these consoles with families and how do you protect against, how do you write it into a trust? The, the biggest, again, communication is by far the biggest one. And I'll, but I want to hit that from a different angle so that I answer your question in not a different way, but, but it from another issue. We wrote an article, David York and I, who's a co-author on our books, but for, it was for Trust in the States magazine in 2017. And Trust in the States magazine in our nerd world is our, our peer reviewed periodical and you got to do annotations and case studies. And it's, I'll never write one of these damn things again, but we called it grats versus gratitude. That was the title of the, the article. Now, a, a grat in our world is a strategy for transferring wealth from one generation to the next. It stands for grantor retained annuity trust. But the point of the title was, are you trying to pass on, again, written to our, our colleagues, other attorneys in the estate world, are you trying to, to help your clients pass on wealth or gratitude? Okay. And we took a look at all of our families that, again, had done this very well. And one of the things that we found was the, the biggest deciding factor about whether or not a family stays in harmony, meaning that a year after mom and dad dies, they're still having Thanksgiving dinner together. And we have this estate, a saying in the estate planning world that you, you never truly know a person until you share an inheritance with them. Because the best families, the clause will come out and people will fight over, fight over mom's engagement ring. I don't think it doesn't say anything bad to the person. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're greedy. I've seen a lot of greed in these scenarios, but you lose a loved one and you go through that emotional toil and then you hang on to a personal item. I remember when I went duck hunting with my dad for the first time and he gave me a shotgun and, and to use and I want that, whatever it is, it has this emotional attachment that because of the emotional turmoil you're going through with that lost one, you latch onto that and I will see people fight over a tooth and nail over that. So the point of this is the, the, the biggest deciding factor is openness, being open with your family and having the open dialogue. And that's a really counterintuitive thing. Not so much for our generations. Our generations are, are getting a little bit more comfortable with it. But you have the silent generation. There was a reason they were called the silent generation. They did not want to talk about money. They did not want to talk about finances. Include the family. David, one of my partners, he has this great story about this family he was talking to us with. And the mom and dad look at him and say, God, we, we try to instill our kids all these financial ideas and how lucky they are all the time. And we did that recently on a trip because we sat in first class and we made them sit and coach. You're going, no, you don't get it, pal. Your kids still get it. Your kids still get that they're flying to Maui, that you're sitting in first class, that there are assets there. Don't act like they're stupid people. Include them. Let them know, though, what they're going to expect, even if that they expect nothing, because then the anger, if you will, isn't directed to you or isn't directed to their siblings. It's directed at you who's six feet under and they can jump on your grave all you want. So the, the point being open the books is a really big thing that I encourage people to do. And we really feel that kids can start getting involved in some of these discussions in age appropriate ways, but as early as five years old.
Or just lie to them. Tell them it's your grandparents' trust. It's not yours. No, that's a joke. <laughs> Don't do that. No, because again, that's our second principle. Like the first principle of untrusted families is they, like I said, they know who they are and, and they know who they believe. But the second principle is that entrusted families prepare the next generation for the wealth rather than concentrating on preparing the wealth for the next generation. And that's all estate planning is doing right now is concentrating on preparing the wealth without, again, the consequence it has on that next generation. Without question, including kids into meetings. I was in meetings with family advisors, financial advisors, accountants. I was told to sit in the corner, shut up and suck my thumb. But I was also told to listen. And if I had a question, I could ask it and so forth. But it was a way for for you to start speaking that language. There's a whole nother financial language that's out there and you got to be able to speak it. Lane is not a lawyer CPA, but the dude did quit his engineering job and now owns thousands of rental properties. Learn more about the secrets of the wealthy. Join our community at thewealthelevator.com slash club. And if you're looking for a longer form podcast, also subscribe to the Wealth Elevator podcast.